I got some Mad Maps. I got my scenic Mad Map map, and I actually so I want to talk about some of the stuff I found. Like, there's a Get Out of Town Philadelphia. Let's see, so there's a really cool. I'm gonna try to do that tomorrow. It's like a 120 mile loop, but it's like a really nice. It's actually a map of the area. It's like not just this, not the state, but it actually shows like central Philadelphia on it. And then an hour or two outside wow, of it. Wow, big know. old print. <laughs> I can actually read it. Yeah, there's a ton of routes. It's great. And then they give you turn-by-turn -turn directions on the back. Cool. So they, Yeah, yeah. So that's the Philadelphia. And then she sent me... That's like tank bag friendly. You know they are. They're waterproof. They're laminated. And then I got the big Pennsylvania one, which is like ginormous. Which is huge. And it goes all the way to New York and New Jersey. So I'm going to use this this weekend when we go upstate. Oh yay! Yeah. To go see the girls. It goes all the it goes all the way to the uh, western side of the state. Wow! It's, cool. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And that covers like it's got like symbols for uh, major freeway, highway, you know, dirt road. Kind um, of thing. it does no. It does not show you terrain. It's not like a Butler map. Where it's okay. terrain oriented. I've never even seen a Butler map. So Butler maps are terrain, more dirt. You can see what's paved and what's not. Because it's an kind of, I think they're really geared more toward adventure riders. However, the routes are varied. They're everything from dirt to street and paved. But they have more topical stuff so you can see what the terrain's going to be like. This is yeah. all paved routes. Um, yeah, they don't really concentrate on off-road here. So these are all pave routes and then they do tell you interstates you know county roads highways um and then and they describe the map they describe the route so yes very exciting very very excited and our and our map chatter we've essentially launched into episode 46 <laughs> yeah i guess that uh kicks off episode 46 it does. <laughs> map chatter. Maps. We're sorry we're a week late. Somebody was out riding motorcycles again. And, yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then I've got a bunch of maps I can't wait to chit-chat a little bit more about. Um, we're also going to talk about, of course, everyone's talking about it, the new Project Livewire thing that Harley launched this week. So if you live anywhere near a Harley dealer, give them a call. See when they're coming to your town. Maybe they'll be by you. And there's a website for that. Um, I'm going to go on a trip this weekend. I'm going to spend four days riding up to the border of Pennsylvania and New York and just riding as much as possible across the state. And that's what I got on my maps for. On the gear front, I acquired a really great backpack. Actually, I purchased... It's been a while since I've actually purchased gear... Um, but wow. I bought a, yeah, I bought a Krieger R25, which I really love so far. So yeah, we've got a nice variety of things to chit chat about, and we'll go from there. And if we have time, I just sent you a link from a post on um, uh, Reddit. On the Reddit. Oh, that's an interesting one to chit chat about as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, oh, this looks so sad. Yeah. I know, right. right? So hopefully we'll make time for that. But okay. but let's finish off the, the map chatter. So, okay. 
you know, depends on depending on where we're cutting into this uh, in the beginning. Joanne was telling uh, me about uh, her mad maps, and I was also asking about whether or not the terrain is marked out, so you have like freeway, highway, dirt, and whatnot. So Joanne was kind of giving me the the difference between the two because essentially I've only used Borch, which is like a German map company, and I've oh, never used a map again. <laughs> oh, I've never even heard of that. I have no yeah. idea. No idea what that is. Um, so mad maps. Dot com is where you can get regional maps all over the United States. They're in, I believe they're in all the major metro areas. Personally, I've only ever used them in the San Francisco Bay Area because that's actually where they started. So um, Jenny started the company in San Francisco, and so of course the, the maps and the routes all started there. But there are, she even has, a, there's even an app for it now. You download an app for Mad Maps. Mad Map so you could have it on your phone but I I actually got a hold of the hard maps and they're all folded up they're actually laminated and I believe waterproof so they're really easy to fold up and put into your tank bag I am a tank bag person I am not a GPS person I actually like having my map routes written out on my tank bag um, I'm old school as well uh, I just I don't have room now it's so now that I've completely lost a fairing and a dashboard um, I don't really ha- I feel like I don't have anywhere to put stuff on my bike anyway, but I'm really excited because I got three maps. I have Get Out of Town, Philadelphia. I have Get Out of Town, Washington, D.C. And these are these Get Out of Town series are day trips. So they're scenic little city city oriented trips. And then there's Philadelphia and New Jersey scenic road trips. So the Pennsylvania and New Jersey map is for the whole state of Pennsylvania, New Jer- almost entire New Jersey. So it's going to give me more like 200 mile, I hope, bigger rides just across the state, which is awesome. So tomorrow I think I'm going to try to do one of these little get out of town rides. But it shows you turn by turn directions. So it'll say, you know, start at this route or this road, go west on this road for X miles, turn left at this road. So it tells you, you know, left, right, immediate right, etc. for each turn by turn and yeah. a little and a little summary. So it's like the one I want to do tomorrow looks so cute. It's very user um, friendly. Oh, it's totally user friendly. The only thing I don't know, I I've never um, I've always written my map routes out. So mm-hmm. I I write it in really big print. <laughs> I use re- I write in big handwriting so I can see it really quickly so I don't have to look down very much. So I think I may have to recopy some of these, just a bigger print, um, just because I don't like staring down at my tank bag for very long. So yeah, yeah that's the only thing. Because um, if you're looking at your tank, you're not looking at the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right? <laughs> Defeats the purpose. It's the one downfall. So I don't know. But yeah. that's the only downside. As far as terrain, it doesn't really tell you, oh, this is dirt, this is street. It does tell you the difference between interstates, highways, county roads, that sort of thing, but it doesn't define the terrain. So if you're an adventure rider or a dual sport rider and you're looking for like dirt, um, that sort of thing, I would actually recommend a Butler map for that. And Butler maps is awesome for that kind of riding, but they do have paved routes as well. But Mad Maps, I feel like, is a little more street and touring and sport oriented. Uh, there's no mention of of um, 
of you know what kind of pavement and there's food so it'll show you roadside oh, attractions yeah well. yeah uh here we go uh roadside attractions like the Leahy gorge scenic railway take an historic ride on a 1920s train um so like roadside attractions museums that sort of thing and then they have roadhouses marked food as well and it's all color-coded so attractions are red roadhouses are turquoise the great outdoors parks are green it's just a it's actually a nice tourist map it would work great if you're in a car and you just need some routes to go explore places it's kind of cool for that too so yeah i'm so excited that i got these thank you mad maps and uh, I may investigate this app thing, but not. In, I'm going to play with the paper maps first. Roadside but, um, America too has the the weird uh, Bizarro stuff to <laughs> see on your on your way. I have that yes, app. That um, you know, world's world's tallest donut stuff right. like that. Just random shit that makes me happy. Um, I should also mention that uh, Butler Maps is uh, are the folks behind the backcountry discovery routes as well. So um, if you've ever done that series or have seen any of the videos, uh, that would be uh, the Butler Map crew. Hey, I met um, Justin, who was, I think, yeah, one of the founders. Bradshaw. Met him in Italy a few years ago. He was so sweet. Really nice guy. Um, but yeah, these men maps are great for Local riding, like street riding and, and touristing. So I'm going to check one of those out tomorrow. And then Friday morning, we drop off Benny at the dog sitter. And then we're out of here. And we're going to go to Williamsport, which is about two and a half hours north. And it was the m- perfect middle spot to meet our friends, Sue and Jin, who are in New York. In kind of the middle of New York, middle western side of New York, not New York City. So we're going to meet up and then we're going to figure out where to ride. I cannot freaking wait but first but but before that i have to pick up a part tomorrow so i'm going to uh go to that's right i totally forgot about that dang it so my uh, a circlip fell off my shifter pedal and it's basically what keeps the pedal from coming off (laughs) from falling off that's important. Yeah, it's important. So as I was parking, road trip. Uh, yeah, yeah, that too. That's why tomorrow I got to go get that, get it fixed, so we can be good for the week. But um, I, I was wow. pulling, I was pulling into my garage, and the shifter pedal fell off. It just. Whoop. You have motorcycle places that are open on Monday. Yes. So apparently, the wow. local Kawasaki dealer, uh, Kawasaki Suzuki Honda, I believe he they are open on Monday. Get this till eight o'clock. They're open wow. Monday to Saturday. Yes, Saturday they close at like 5 or 4, but m- Tuesday, Monday to Friday, they're open till 8. And I called and they had the part, so I'm hoping it's not going to cost me like $20 for a little tiny little piece, which on the internet says it's a buck fifty. So mm-hmm. we'll see. So once I get that, that will be squared away. Wow, um, you lucked out in a major way. I lucked out. So I called them, and um, thanks to my awesome friend at work who kn- knows everybody in the motorcycle world in Philadelphia, he was able to get on the phone and figure out for me what my part number was for this tiny little piece. Because I Googled wow. and I couldn't figure out what the part number was to call a dealer and say, hey, do you have this? He was able to, I don't know, work his magic. He figured it out for me done i called the philly cycle center and i'm gonna go see them tomorrow so after that hurdle 
then I will be good to go. Nice. Um, yeah, assuming everything else is decent on my vehicle, which it seems to be. So, yeah, it should be really great. Um, cannot, cannot wait. Cannot. Mine's all kinds of apart right now, but uh, that's a whole other story for another podcast. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, maybe we'll retouch base next week and see what that's all about. Yeah. Um. So, oh, so speaking of being away... Tell us about your most recent travels. Super excited. Um, So I wrote a review, which if you follow us on Facebook or follow me on Twitter, you've probably already seen, which is for the Yamaha FZ07. I went up to Seattle on behalf of About Motorcycle to represent them and review the bike. And I was up there basically Monday through Wednesday, but Monday night was just kind of a, a fly up, get a little intro about the motorcycle and, you know, some some facts and statistics and a review of the specs and kind of taking a look at the bike. And then first thing on Tuesday morning, we gathered all in the parking garage and it was kind of like a pick your color. Would you like red or graphite with the uh, blue accent on the rim? or white and white just happened to be the first thing that i stood in front of so i just kind of picked it i was totally impressed with that bike because as you remember i did go for a little joy ride on the fc09 and did not have the greatest time because i ended up photographing the damn thing and not paying attention how to get it out of a mode so i got stuck in like the worst possible mode but even if i wasn't in that mode i know that the issues that the fc09 had went beyond just you know one mode that they offered because if that was the case there wouldn't have been such a big grumble about it but between the suspension and the fact that the throttle was uber twitchy uh, that was kind of an issue for that bike and that was one of the things i was really concerned with is god man i wonder if this bike is going to be like exactly replicated in that regard but just one cylinder less and actually they don't have the so it's a ride- twin yeah twin nice. cylinder very nice twin cylinder 689 cc about 50 foot-pounds of torque is what I remember off the top of my head. And so I was concerned about the whole twitchy throttle thing, but um, turns out that they didn't use ride-by-wire throttle, and so you don't have those preset modes, but at the same time, you don't need them because that uh, the acceleration on that is just perfect. Coming from a BMW where it's kind of like roll back the throttle and things eventually happen, <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges, but I was very, very happy with that bike, especially since it's my first review and I wouldn't want to be on something that had a host of problems that I had to kind of isolate. We hopped on the ferry, the ferry over to Bainbridge Island, and it was just, there was, the first thing on my Twitter feed was, hey, by the way, there might be some sort of tsunami coming in the Pacific Northwest because of an earthquake in Alaska. So dead serious. I think that was like CNN. Tsunami, what? And so I was like, great, tsunami, and it's saying it's going to, like, 55% rain. So I'm thinking, all right, so no ABS, we've got street tires, and uh, we're going to be riding in the rain all day. This should be interesting. Nope, turns out it was a gorgeous day. It was just a little damp in the morning. Went riding through the trees and and two little two-lane roads, which you would think probably wouldn't have a lot of traffic on considering it's an island, but it's a pretty well-populated island. We had to keep on the lookout for cars when we stopped for photo ops, but the photographers that were taking shots of us were Brian Nelson and Tom Riles, and if the name Brian Nelson sounds familiar, he is basically the principal photographer for AMA. So he just came back from Ohio, I think, like that the day before or barber actually god i'm never gonna be a racer and to have this guy 
shoot me for a press launch is like the greatest thing to ever happen because if anyone can make you look awesome, it's Brian Nelson. And uh, if you've seen the shots, you totally agree. Wow, Christy really looks like she knows what she's doing. That's how I feel oh about God. Fonzie. Yeah, yeah. Like he gave me the best, most amazing photos. Fonzie's never shot me, so... <laughs> uh, yes, luckily I was able to pull a few photos from him. Yeah, so, I mean, and this is, granted, this is me moving. I've only done still photography with John Beck, really. Um, the couple of shots that we had in motion, I was so stiff because I was on that GSA, and the motion shots looked terrible, not because of his doing, but because of the fact that I just looked so bad. On the FC07, I was way more comfortable. Ergonomics on that, super nice, upright. I did not feel cramped at all, even though the bike to me is like, oh my god, it's so tiny, because it's it's a 31-inch 30, seat height. And it's just, you know, the street nakeds or the sport nakeds are so, to me, like, compact. And so when I'm sitting on a BMW, it's like this big bike, and it comes up above, and, you know, it's all over the place. But but these bikes are so compact. I mean, even the Super Duke, the minute I sat on the, the 1290, I'm thinking, wow, this bike feels, like, totally manageable. This is so weird for me to think that it's almost 1,300 cc's of motorcycle, and it's, you know, no big, no big deal. Yeah, it could negotiate any kind of curve, very agile, great in street traffic, great urban tour, no windscreen option. You know, they have some accessories that include bags, but um, no no windscreen option, which is something that someone in the aftermarket part world might be interested in doing because sure. believe it or not, believe it or not, that seat, it's it's kind of like a heart shape, um, which is different from the bench seat that was on the 09. And I was, if you see the pictures of the stock seat, I'll, I'll post some of those photos if, if I'm allowed to. Um, most of them are just stock photography, so I don't think there's a problem with it. But, um, it's it's basically like a heart-shaped seat, and you're looking at this thing going, really? This is kind of odd. It's like a bicycle seat almost, if you get like a really generous-sized one. And the entire day, I didn't feel any, you know, issue whatsoever. I mean, granted, we got up and stopped and, and walked around a lot, but uh, I think I could sit on that for a, for a healthy, long day trip and not have any problems. And the bench seat on the BMW, I have about the trip between L.A. and San Francisco before I want to start to die. <laughs> So, uh, really, really happy with that bike. Super great deal at $69.90. Um, $1,000 less, about 150 cc's less than the triple. And, you know, you can just start riding it the moment you take it home. You don't need to sit there and, you know, shuffle a new exhaust can on or change the suspension or change the throttle mapping. It's just ready to go. So I think that that's actually a better option than the 9. I know there are people who love their triples, but uh, it's definitely worth investigating if you want to get the FC09 to try the 7. Just check it out. Super, super great trip. Great opportunity. Stoked to have it. Um, really nervous next to like Ari Henning and and uh, Blake Connor and all these people I read about in, in magazines monthly and you're just rolling up to a stop right next to him. Hi! <laughs> but they're all very nice guys and everyone was uh, very nice to me. And uh, there is one other female journalist, which was shocking, uh, from nice. Ultimate Motorcyclist, Kelly. Oh, good. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised and happy that, uh, that I wasn't the only female. Not like I had any concerns or anything. Yeah, just a really good group, good small group of people and behind-the-scenes chatter. I'm sure people will be running out to get it. When is it supposed to be available to buy as a consumer? Uh, should be available to buy it as a consumer right about now nice. or this coming weekend. 
Sweet. Because I know that uh, Chaparral out here in San Bernardino had one on the floor like a week or so ago, and that actually surprised some of the Yamaha folks. Hmm. So um, pretty much most dealerships should be getting a couple in the next like week or two. And if you're heading up to World Superbike in Laguna Seca, which is july 11th 12th and 13th Mm -hmm. monterey area the truck just like last year with the nines is coming out with the sevens as well as i'm sure some other models and and some star motorcycles as well so definitely if you're in the area even if you're not going to world superbike which i encourage you to do to support our racers but if you happen to be in the area definitely check out the associated paddock area because that is where you're going to find all of the test rides and the goodies for the whole weekend let's talk about this reddit article it makes me very sad (laughs) does make me really sad because my coworker, this is her she just turned 21 actually that's her stat she rides a ninja 250 nice yeah and she loves it i mean so we'll we'll link this article it's basically a girl she's five foot and everyone's telling her like her friends and family are telling her that she's too little to ride a motorcycle because she's even though she's full you know, she's an adult she's 20 she's only yeah. 100 pounds so she's not five foot 22 yeah, pounds. so she's a small girl but i mean yeah and so they're telling her to get a scooter um and then, yeah, and they're also, yeah, the, my hurdle is that everyone, the boyfriend, my family, my friends have told <sighs> me that any motorcycle I end up getting that I can control won't even be able to get past 60 miles per hour. And that it would be stupid to think <laughs> I could handle anything more. And if one more person says, just get a scooter, you'll look cute and they're more practical, I will clock them. I already like this girl. Yeah. <laughs> if I was in it for practicality, I'd stick with my car. I, uh... I actually told her, what did I say? Well, there's 138 comments. Yeah, I know. Everyone jumped in on this, which is great. And and I, you know, I gotta love Reddit. Sometimes there are winners and sometimes it's a little sketchy. But um, as far as like a Honda Rebel 250, I think a lot of the MSF weekend, you know, pre-license courses, the BRC has the Honda 250. So I said, uh, take a look at it the msf courses in your area because they might actually have those it's a bikes standard, in which case yeah it's a standard it's perfect 250. because if you don't if you don't have your license you can't go take those for a test ride so in this way she can actually take the bike that she's interested in buying for a test ride within the class while she's taking it so i think yeah. that would be like one of the one of the best ways to like get her feet wet but I mean, man, it's it's straight out of that. Uh, uh, I'll link to the commercial too, since we're on a, a female tear at the moment. But it's uh, like a girl. It's the whole, you know, ride like a girl, do mm-hmm. stuff like a girl. If you've seen that commercial from yeah. uh, from Always, of all things, it it just reeks of that where someone's just oh well, you know, just do something where you're cute and and you won't get hurt, and that's so much you know better for you. Yeah, I yeah, I'm just kind of scrolling through these. Uh through these posts and um yeah they're very very similar um except for this loser who says tells her to get a real bike you know just because someone chooses to ride something smaller than what you would choose to ride doesn't mean it's not a real bike i'm sick of seeing this comment that well you're gonna be so bored on a rebel 250 you'd be so you know what (laughs) motorcycling for most people is not exactly the same as it is for you douchebag so when you make a sweeping generalization like that 
that you you've basically eliminated half of us, all of us who started out on Ninja 250s. I wouldn't be where I am today without having ridden that for three years. So just because you don't think it's appropriate for you and you got bored of it because you didn't know what you were doing doesn't mean she will or anyone else will. Anything you ride is a motorcycle. It doesn't matter how big or small it is. I mean, come on. It's just, to me, that was a little judgmental and I really hate that. Um, now, Not to uh, mention the fact that it might have been environmental, but I was on a 200, and I spent eight months and logged right? like over 25,000 miles. Right. I was not bored. No. It, how can you be <laughs> bored riding in South America, You're, even if it's on a 200 or 2,000? I mean, give me a freaking break. So that uh, that to me is really annoying. Now, I think that she may want to start with a Rebel 250 or Ninja just to get a, get comfortable with this thing that weighs three times as you and to be able to make the the leap from the ninja 250 to something like an fc7 or an fc9 because you you can go right into it but the learning curve is just a lot shorter i mean why make it so hard on yourself like yeah i mean you know We've talked about this before, and, and I've especially talked about it in Dirt. I'd just rather ra- rather master a technique um, and not have to worry about fighting a motorcycle and yep. thinking about where I'm going to put my feet and plant my feet and, and you know, oh, the bike. It, it should be, oh, okay, I'm supposed to turn this way or, you know, put my foot down or shift my weight. So really, you know, what it boils down to is, I recommend, I'll I'll go out on a limb and say, we recommend finding something that you're comfortable with that you're not fighting against so you can focus on technique. And it doesn't matter how small it is because it's only temporary. You master your skill set, you get confident, confident, uh, confidence pushes into whatever motorcycle at some point you want to ride, whether it be both feet on the ground or the ball of your foot, you know, on one side and and you're... You know, kind of holding the bike at an angle, which I imagine is most bikes for Joanne. <laughs> yes, and hugging the rear brake. Don't forget to hug yes. your rear brake like crazy, just so you, know, you don't drop it. In yeah, the so so apart from that advice, what I would most likely tell this girl, but not necessarily put it in a Reddit form, is that, you know, you can't get rid of family. So if your family isn't supporting you, well, you know, you can't just tell them to piss off necessarily. But um, as far as friends and and your boyfriend not supporting something that you genuinely show an interest in doing, you might want to start looking for some new friends. And in which case, I say embrace people in the motorcycle community and go to a dealership and just start hanging out and uh, find a new boyfriend. <laughs> or just stop talking to him about these these issues that he refuses to give you help on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I hope. Route. Yeah, seriously. And and speaking of um, speaking of obstacles, let's. Let's try to touch on this article that I linked to you, which I actually already lost. Do you have that link? Because I clicked on it, and it went to something about getting kicked out of an MSF course. And I know that wasn't it. Yes, that's it. Really? Yes, that is it. Okay, well, let me uh, pop this back to you. But then there was, I thought she talked a little bit also about, you know, other issues besides the women writers, besides the course. It's actually very similar, very, very similar I mean, what what is, since you used to be a rider coach, what is your take on that? Basically, this woman is saying that she's very close to the same size as, as uh, what we were just talking about, five foot one, 110 pounds, and uh, was saying that she started this, um, this BRC rider course, 
And two hours in, she was told that since she was having difficulty completing the exercise in the field in the parking lot properly, Mm -hmm. she was done and needed to leave. Has that ever happened on any class that you've sat in on? Yeah. No, students get, it's called getting counseled out, and it happens all the time. Um, If you can't, if you can't complete the objective for that exercise, like if the goal is to be able to, you know, learn how to shift, if you, if you actually haven't learned how to shift by the end of it, you can't keep going because you have to know how to do that to do the other stuff. True. Um, I'm, I, I mean, it's, it's really hard for me to say what this girl, like what should have happened to her or not. I mean, because your perspective as a student is so different than what it is as a writer coach. You just see things completely different because you're experiencing it in a very different way. Um, I can't believe they're having classes when it's 111 degrees outside. I really can't because that's to me is insane. Maybe 80, 90, but 111. God, that just seems really difficult. Um, But yeah, it happens sadly. It does, it does happen. However, the part that, uh, at least at my school, you don't forfeit your enrollment fee. The policy that at schools vary, but you, in California anyway, you're allowed to come back at least one more time to take your, to take your test or complete the course. Uh, and you just have to check with your school's policies. Um, but I can't, the other thing is, uh, she says, I contacted the instructor for the group I was in and asked him if I'm being kicked out, if being kicked out of the class really meant I wasn't cut out to ride. He was encouraging and told me some people, especially ones with no experience, just need to take it slower than others, but I should not give up. Yeah. I mean, that's very true. It's sometimes some people learn at different paces and sometimes the pace is too fast. It's difficult. Like a hundred percent of people don't learn the same way. Everybody learns a little differently. So yeah, it happens. People People, a lot of time, uh, most of the time, people would leave on their own accord. People would say, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd ask them something like, so how are you feeling? Just a very general question to check in with them. And they would say something like, you know, I just, I don't think I really want to do this. Like, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not having a good time. And I just, I don't want to do this anymore. And then they, they get, and then they leave. Most of the time, that's how it usually happens. Or, you know what I mean? It's, it's very rarely I very rarely had the experience where the person was completely like clueless or like blown away that they weren't doing well. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, yeah. So it's, it's hard because people see not finishing as failure and it's not just because you don't complete the course doesn't mean you're not cut out to ride a motorcycle. It just means that there were factors that were getting in the way of you learning and doing really well and whether it was weather and just that discomfort that I mean that distraction I would have there's no way I could have made it through 111 degrees I mean that's really hard to have any focus or concentration or enjoyment when you're sweating to death and it's blazing hot and you can't see and you know what I mean like that's hard that's a tough obstacle I think she was really up against some really hard and then having to learn this new thing, I mean, throw that on top of the fire and oh my God, like, how can you walk through that? You know, I feel sorry for her. Cause it was like, she was up against some really difficult, um, just a really hard weekend, just given, you know, 
the weather and, and the unfortunate circumstance, but I can't believe she had to forfeit her enrollment fee. Hmm. That's... That can't be right. I... That, that can't be right. Um, I always advise people who have any kind of negative experiences in MSF in your class to send an email or write a letter to the state administrator for the program. So in California, that's the California Highway Patrol. They have surveys that you fill out, and it's basically the boss. They're basically like the boss of the MSF, so to speak, in California. Like they kind of run things and oversee things. So send an email to your school or send an email to someone and say, hey, you know, I feel like I was missed you. I feel like, you know, this policy isn't right, and I feel like I should be given it whatever, whatever you think went wrong. And, and I feel like most schools will try to work with you, so I feel terrible for her. But... You know, her her question was whether other women had a similar experience and had they gone on a ride. Um, she, like Chrissy said, she's 5'1", 110 pounds, and she's looking at a Harley Dyna Lowrider. Yeah, I just looked one of those up. How big I'm is that? Curious. Um, well, for starters, it's 14,200. It's got to um, be 1,000 cc. Sounds like a big see. bike. Photos, specs. Here we go. Sounds like a really big bike. Yeah, seat height, 25.4. Oh, okay. That is nice and all, but... 103 cubic inches. It's got to be, like, upwards of the 1,500 at least. That's huge. I mean, that is, that is too much. I'm sorry. That's where you have to draw the line be like, uh, no. Yeah. That is not a good idea for a bike, and I don't know what this girl's um, specs are, or what what requirement, or I don't know how she's coming drawing to this conclusion that this. Bike... I think she, I because she did mention something about her boyfriend helping her lower the bike. Um, <sighs> if she needed it lowered, then I have a feeling she's already in a environment that is uh, Harley full of Harleys. So I think that's why she would immediately gravitate towards a Harley. But you yeah. know what? I I want to I want to not need help doing stuff. So if my boyfriend had a Harley and I rode with a whole bunch of guys on Harleys, I wouldn't want to constantly need people to help me park, need people to help me do this, that, and the other. Yeah. I would want to be able to do this stuff myself. And you yeah. know what? If that meant that I'm not riding a Harley and I'm riding a tiny Honda or you know a tiny Kawasaki, a Vulcan, one of those, um, yeah. then that's just it is the way it is. You you got to start yeah. somewhere. Not everyone starts in, yeah. in the best car or the best motorcycle. I mean, we all have our our hiccups, and wow, dude, I would, I was so happy I had a beater bike that wasn't completely new that maybe had been down once already because there's nothing worse than putting a brand new scratch on a fresh paint job. I'd rather buy something that someone's already dropped it before, so that way when I drop it, it's it's not its first time. Well, that too, but I mean, aside from the investment just the financial investment on something like that that yeah 14 grand a lot holy crap that is that's a lot and if you can afford it then you're a really lucky person and that's Mm -hmm. great for you that's awesome just because you're short a shorter bike that weighs a thousand pounds that's not going to help you it's not height it it really isn't height i mean it it is to a degree when it's when you're a 26 inch inseam and you're looking at a 33 inch bike oh yes it's all about it's all about height <laughs> then no there's no way around half of a foot of height but it's a 1687 oh cc no by the way. that is not you do not and, need that 
shocking. It's only 666 pounds. Only. It's kind of light. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm coming from, uh, from the light. only other cruiser background, which I have, which is the Indian at eight, over 1,800 cc's. That's 850. So, um, But needless to say, it, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of money for your first purchase, especially when you're coming off of an environment where you got booted from a BRC and you're not entirely sure whether or not you want to ride and what your level of confidence is because yep. clearly she's had her confidence shaken so yeah yep. you know we're not trying to steer anybody away from from jumping on a cruiser just understand that it's just what you start on is pretty key as far as to how you will ride in the future and how you will develop confidence and how yep. you will it sets continue with motorcycling we want you to keep yep. riding it sets a precedent. It really does. And it it's either going to blow you into the right direction or it's going to throw you off the cliff into a completely miserable direction. So that's where your bike choice is so, so important. And, and I can't emphasize this enough because I've done it before. I picked the wrong bike for the most wrong reasons and it had a terrible effect on my self-esteem and my self-confidence and my ability to ride. I mean, I didn't crash or anything. It's not like I bought a bike that was 2000 cc and way out of my league i just bought something that wasn't quite the right match and it just didn't work out very well and our relationship ended terribly so <laughs> you just you know you I have a couple of those stories <laughs> you right you just you really want to go into it knowing that you're going to come out a better and happier rider not miserable yeah. not constantly having to fix things now there is a threshold you know, when you're 410 or 49 and you're trying to ride a bike that's a 30 inch, 29 inch seat height, that's going to be a struggle. And I'm sorry to say that that's where you might even be hided out almost. Because I've met some very short people who just can't get on a bigger bike. You know, te technique aside, there's a point where you're kind of pushing the threshold. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like. There's just a point. Street, street city riding. There are a lot of vintage bikes out there mm -hmm. that are uh, street legal that are in the 200 range that aren't officially a scooter. They're actually a motorcycle. And a lot of vintage Hondas and vintage Kawasaki's from yep. back in the day yep. are street legal and they're 200s. And they're, uh, I don't know about the seat height just off the top of my head, but I envision that they're those bikes, small. since they are smaller, yeah, yep. that they would have a more approachable seat height. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, you got to start somewhere, and uh, and even if you're relegated to only uh, city because you don't want to, you actually you can't open it up on on the highway on a, on a, most 200s or, or smaller models from the 70s. Yep. Don't have the same kind of crazy engine that advancements that we have nowadays, where you can take like a Ninja 250 on the highway and easily get up to more than highway speed. Whereas, yep. you know, a, a 1970. Uh, CB200 probably <laughs> be pushing your luck. Yeah, no, for sure. So I, you know, there, even you know, the advice that we give, it's not the end all be all. I mean, sure, this is just our experiences, and and for me, this is something that's really, really uh, personal for me because I, I constantly get this question, and this week in particular, actually, I got. Like ten people mess or commenting on my boots page under my gear 101 section about height and what do I do and I need what am, you know what can I do 
to get taller. And these aren't people who are four six. I mean, these are these are women who are my height, five two, five three. I mean, they're not incredibly short. Um, definitely within the range of you know your standard Ninja two fifties, your Ninja three hundreds, your Ninja five hundreds, um, your CBR two fifties. You don't need extraordinary circumstances to ride, and and there's a lot of misinformation about what you need and don't need. So, you know, generally, do your homework. Just Google like crazy and read everything you can to see what people's experiences are and and how they did things, and and then try to come up with your own strategy based on that, and and see what happens. But don't let everybody make you make up your mind for you. You know, really do your homework and see if what they're saying is is valid or or not. Yeah, you could be you like know. me and drop a whole bunch of bikes, find the one that uh, suits you, and and spend the next six or seven years completely <laughs> um, nerve frazzled about getting on any other motorcycle other than one that you possess. Even though everyone wants you, hey, Christy, you should ride my bike. Check it out. Hey, ride this one. See? Hey, let's take test rides. So bad. Completely paralyzed for years and not riding any bikes. And I think that in like maybe the last year or so, um, especially since You're we've done this podcast, lot. I've yeah, I've ridden on what? a lot of variety of motorcycles, and I feel, you know, my confidence is through the roof. Not, you know, not in a bad way that I'm thinking I'm some sort of badass, but, I mean, my confidence is, is amazingly uh, so much better than it was before, and I know for a fact that my riding has improved. So, Ooh. you know, it your first experience is going to be the one that dictates everything going forward. So you just want to, we're just trying to get you to plan as best as you can for that. Speaking of confidence, how was your ride with Walt? <laughs> I want to know. I want to hear all about it. Real quick, um, real quick. Yeah. So, uh, so Elisa and I went with Walt and we had, uh, in onboard commentary cause we're all connected to, uh, <laughs> Senna's, I think. Yep. Um, and uh, went up Crystal Lake, that area, and, uh, you know, it was mostly a delayed apex discussion, like how to hit the delayed yeah. apex, how to get the most out of blind curves so that you can be seen and be able to see as much as possible before hitting the apex. So we spent a lot of time covering that, and he would nice. call out where the Zelate Apex was, where we should be hitting behind him. Mm-hmm. There was some point, I don't know exactly what I was doing, or maybe he was just really concerned about me because I reached out before this press trip because I was just really concerned, like, hey, how does this, how do I look? <laughs> because of those photos back from the GSA where I was so nervous about this this kind of, you know, slightly overwhelming bike that... I was riding really stiff, and I look really stiff. And I've had a couple people even tell me still that I look, you know, kind of stiff and that I need to loosen up. And I still do the, you know, the elbow, like, arm shake when you're riding just Mm -hmm. to, like, prove that, you know, you're not all locked up. And so I was just concerned with how I would photograph, really. I mean, that's what it boils down to. At some point, Walt just said, hey, pull over. And and so I get on the back of his bike with him. Cool. (laughs) And I'm literally, his seat and, and the pants that I chose to wear, I'm sloshing around and I'm just gripping because I am terrified. I I was a worse passenger with Walt than I was with Ricky riding on the tiny, tiny seat on that 1290 uh, KTM, probably because we were going through lots of curves. Mm-hmm. And so 
I'm sure the the general learning that I was supposed to take away from that is, you know, how you're leaning and, and the angles and whatnot, but the whole time I was on the back with Walt, I was just like, oh, just terrified. So when I do a two-up ride with uh, with Jason doing Star School in the fall, that should be interesting because I'll probably oh be crying. Oh, my God. You probably will <laughs> cry. Good Lord. <laughs> There's... There will be an onboard commentary hey, with tell uh, him the I, camera, I would... and I am going to cry, oh, and people are going to record this, and it's going to be on the internet. Tell them to come over here so that I can do the star school. I, I hear they do it around these parts, too. They they do, and he's developing a schedule so that they can take it on the road again. Nice. So look forward to some of that coming come into play in like the next couple of months. But uh, I think right now, out here, because it's so hot, their classes won't start until, the fall. I think, the end of October yeah. is the first class that they have going yep. through December. He's got also got his endurance racing, too. I think he's got one each month for the next couple of months. So you may or may not have learned a few things from Walt. You might have picked yes, up some I, things. Yes, I learned delayed apex, okay. and he invited me to come out and ride you know anytime uh likewise street masters uh won't be offering any courses until fall when it gets to be a little bit cooler right because you can't um, learn when it's 120 yeah (laughs) you know it's not fun at 120 degrees yeah and i tell you it uh at willow it's also not fun when Mm -hmm. the wind is just crazy the the weekend i went up there in april like end of april was just ridiculous like even professional folks like walt were saying it's yeah, the good. wind is probably the strongest it's ever been out here. I can't imagine trying to learn on a day like that. No, no, that just really sucks. Anything that gets it's, in the way of if learning. If it's blowing my car yeah. around yeah. on the road, yeah. <laughs> do the math. <laughs> Definitely not fun on two yeah, wheels. So, uh, Ari, Ari Henning and Zach Kortz, who were also out there racing that weekend, though I didn't stop by and introduce myself. They were also in that wind, along with Sarah and Walt, and it was just crazy. So more power to you if you can race a motorcycle around Willow Springs with, like, 80-mile-an-hour winds. Yeah, that's no fun. Um, all right, so moving on a little bit, uh, we I just want to quickly mention this bag that I bought. I think that'll just be kind of my last gear mention. And uh, I'll probably not review it for another few weeks. I'm going to go on this trip, take it on the trip, do some more commuting on it. But so far, I really like it. It's the Krieger um, R25 backpack. And that's K-R-I-E-G-A, Krieger.com. And um, they have four different backpacks, I believe. The 25 is on the smaller side. I really, really like it because I am a small person. And so I hate bags that are really big and not meant for someone of my dimension. Or just really wide and broad and fit for more someone of my husband's stature. I really like this R25 because it's not too small, it's not too big, and it's completely invisible when I'm wearing it, um, pretty much. It fits so great. And if you're a little person and you want a bunch of stuff back there and you want to stuff 25 liters worth of things on yourself because you don't have any luggage and you want something that feels invisible back there, you want this bag. Um, So far, I love it. And I cannot wait to take it on this trip. Um, 
the only negative thing I've noticed so far is just if it's 90 degrees, then yeah, it's hot because you're carrying a bag. But, you know, can't really do anything about that so much. This is true. Yeah. And that we were going to talk about the, uh, the Harley. Oh, okay. The uh, electric Harley as well. All right, let's throw that in. So if you pr haven't heard about it already because you've completely been off the internet. Yeah, or you're yes. just not paying attention to the motorcycle feeds. Non-endemic publications have also uh, talked about this as well. Yeah. Um, Harleys, they're launching an electric motorcycle. So they are doing this tour around the United States and they're going to have this bike for you to test ride at your local dealership if they are participating, I guess, in this tour. And I don't really know anything about this bike besides the photos I've seen. Um, I tried to sign up for a test ride, but I was on hold so long I had to hang up. Um, but the website for it, I believe, is projectlivewire.com. Is that right? Um, um, yeah, you know, there are so many websites that come up when you type in Harley and HD. We'll, we'll put that on our website, and we'll put also the, the project so you can see where the tour is coming mm -hmm. potentially in your area. Yep. But, um, you know, as best as I know, these are all essentially prototype Harleys. They're uh, non-production. There is no official start to a production model. This is something that Harley is doing that uh, if you read Asphalt and Rubber, I believe Jensen posted something back in 2011 or 2012 that oh. said, hey, we think Harley's investigating doing an electric model. And sure enough, you know, they come out with hmm. this release. Basically, they're looking to get feedback from customers, consumers like you, to determine whether or not this is going to be something they'll move forward with. Granted, I think once you've invested the R&D and the tech and, and the money into this, that they'll go forward. But they'll probably listen to, like, the little things. Mm -hmm. You know, is the noise, which to me sounds like a power tool, something that people hate because they might be able to change it. Is there not enough power? I mean, there are certain tweaks that you can do to a, a pre-production that you can um, potentially improve upon mm -hmm. once you get to full-time full production. So yep. I haven't, I know that um, about Motorcycle, who also, you know, I, I did my review with, uh, Fonzie actually went out and represented uh, about Motorcycle for the Livewire debut in New York. Mm. So he just wrote his review of the bike and... Mm. Funny enough, the press junket for this, apart from the distribution of the embargo and the materials and whatnot that everyone released, uh, what is it, about a week ago or, or, or so, when the information first came out, the press trip was tied in with the launch for everybody else in New York. Hmm. So the actual press ride was like 30 minutes long. Hmm. It wasn't officially any sort of media press launch like I did exclusively for the media and an all-day affair. It was, hey, you can ride these for like 30 minutes through New York traffic downtown, Alrighty. which is blistering as far as I heard. And so hmm. you didn't really get a great opinion of it, but um, Blake Connor from Cycle World did get uh, quite a 
quite a long amount of time in the saddle compared to what everyone else is getting at the moment. Hmm. And uh, they did a, a video. And as far as what he had told me when we were in Seattle is that you can't really tell the noise. You know, the, the noise sounds kind of funny when you're off the bike, but when you're on the bike, you don't notice it. And it's not any kind of added noise. It's just a noise from the actual engine that, you know, electrics do have a different noise that they make. But he said that it was a, a pretty cool ride, so we'll go ahead and post as, as much info, real real world info that we can on that. But I was really curious to be able to compare it with uh, like a Bramo Impulse, which Joanne and I both um, went for a ride on, and I was curious. So if I doubt I'll be able to get a shot, I mean, LA is going to be one of their biggest markets, so yeah. it's. I'm not pursuing the Harley lottery to jump on the Livewire campaign, but if that opportunity does come available for me, I will most certainly compare it to the Bramall Impulse just for shits and giggles because that's really the only thing that I would well, essentially so, compare that with. Something with. tells me they're not building a race bike, that's for sure, or a high-performance vehicle, sounds like. Um, You know, know. you never know because mm. Harley also turned the XR1200 into which was a terrible seller on the market turned it into its very so own sad. race class with the ama and True. i can also tell you that harley's 750 that they just released when they had it out at the x games they had it poised as a a flat track bike and so we might be seeing either an introduction of the 750 into a flat track bike which i don't know of any of the engine requirements for flat track currently with AMA, but Hmm. um, you might end up having Harley's own series for the 750 being a flat track model. I mean, they've done it before. It would not surprise me if they started to set aside not a bike that would become a part of the full-blown production, but a one-off to work on a race bike. It wouldn't surprise me. True. I just, I don't know, Bremo is such a unique, it's such a unique bike. And in terms of performance and handling, it's so aggressive. I, just, I don't know. I guess I just don't. It just looking at the photos of it, just couldn't really tell. But yeah, I mean, clearly the light bar looks a little more cruiser and upright yeah. and casual. But um, yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't put it past Harley to consider True. trying to uh, streamline one or two of those into something a little more race friendly. Well, I think that takes us to the end of forty six because it is midnight yeah. over here. Um, so we will probably not talk to you again for another couple of weeks since I will be gone through Monday the 8th and then um, I'll be back on the 8th on Monday. And so hopefully we'll reconnect mid next week or something like that and see what happens. As always, please visit us on our Facebook page, Motorific Podcast, or on our website, motorific.com. You can find both of us on the internet. Um, uh, you can find Christy as ADV Goddess on Twitter. Of course, I'm Gear Chick on all the other channels and Twitter. Um, send us an email at motorific at gmail.com if you have any questions or any comments or anything you want us to chat about. And we will catch you back here in a couple weeks. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.